Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. In Oxford this weekend, the University of Mississippi held its summer term graduation. Undergraduate and graduate degrees were awarded in a ceremony at Tad Smith Coliseum. The most popular degrees issued were Varmint Taxidermy, Fast Food Hospitality, and the Alphabet. Congrats, Rebels. You done earned it. Okay, fellas, we're back. Uh, we are now it's Saturday, August 8th, basically four Saturdays away from college football season kickoff. Uh, fall practice is well underway, and uh, we are getting into it. So um, looking across the landscape of headlines coming out this weekend in Clemson football, um, really a lot of it is focused on the first week of practice. Cody, what have you read? What are you seeing um, coming out of Clemson this week? I'm most excited about the freshmen. I think... The thing we are, the freshmen and the defense, let's say that. I think we've kind of undervalued our defense and what, what was returning. We just kind of focused on what we lost. Um, but when we look at, look at the, throughout the roster, man, we got, we got some talented guys. There's four star, even some five star guys in every position group. And then beyond that, we have freshmen coming in that are, are very highly touted and that are really showing out. So I, it's just, it's looking good for this year, but it's, it's looking really good beyond that as well. Yeah, well, I'd say you took the words right out of my mouth on those those two areas. So I'll focus on a couple other things right now, and we'll get into this later. But I'm really interested in the the kicking situation because I think that's really going to play a big part um, on how things go here early in the season. It's really interesting that we haven't heard anything come out on Lakeup yet. Um, don't think he's back with the team. Um, but some interesting things going on there, and then also the again the continued development of Hunter Renfro. I know I keep bringing him up, but man, we're hearing good things about him. So. We'll see what he can do. Yeah, I mean, back to the kicker situation. Um, looks like we have a walk-on. Greg Hegel, I believe that's how that's pronounced, um, is pushing Lakeup's backup, Alex Spence, uh, potentially for starting kicking duties. And especially in the matchups we're going to have, I mean, who knows how long Lakeup's suspension will be. I'm guessing he'll at least meet, miss through the Louisville game, even potentially Notre Dame. I could see both of those games coming down to a situation where, you know, we could be close enough that kicker could make all the difference um, in those games. So definitely good to see some competition happening there. Hopefully, you know, we end up with a very serviceable kicking unit, but special teams, I think are still a question mark. We'll handle that in some of our position group previews as we go. Um, Anything else coming out of the first week of practice guys? Yeah. I I think just hearing how uh, dominating the defense has been, you know, Everybody thought with all the guys that we lost uh, from the nation's number one defense last year, we're really we're gonna, you know, take a step back. But just everything we're hearing is this defense is gonna be maybe not as dominant again this year, but legitimately could be a top ten defense, which which I think is will be absolutely fine, and we won't really see much of a step a step back. I mean, this is all the great things that we're hearing. I mean, I'm really excited about that unit and what they're gonna be able to do. I have all the trust and faith in uh, Brent Venables. I love what he's done here. And I think this is a reflection of that, just uh, with how the guys are playing, that mean streak they have, uh, and the guys, the type of guys that we're bringing in uh, recruiting-wise and how we're, we're just reloading, especially along the, the, the line. Um, it's been amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, 
like you're saying, it's kind of systemic or it's becoming a, a culture there, like just a, that meanness, um, kind of the defense assuming the, the same character traits as, as the coordinator, which is Brent Venables, and he has got all of those desirable traits that you want out of a out of a, defend, uh, a defender. So I'll say this, though. The defense is dominating the offense. I think that's the best way we could we could have it right now. It's never good, you know, one team's dominating the other. But I, I think for our, our purposes – um, knowing that you know this could be the best defense that they face all year, they're doing it in practice. The, the offense will improve, so I I, I like that um, as as opposed to yeah. the way it was in the spring game when the offense looked like it was um, kind of killing the defense. Well, and and considering the the known question marks and issues that we do have, uh, especially along the offensive line and possibly running back, who's going to step up and be dominant? Yeah, I would much rather the defense be ahead of the offense to this point because I don't want to hear that the offense is dominating the D, and we're lacking at several key positions so absolutely i also think it could only it could only do well for and we'll get into the offensive line group preview um as we move forward you know it can only help their development to be facing a, a stout you know defensive line who's you know getting into the backfield or not allowing them to open up uh, open up running lanes so good stuff cody any updates from the recruiting trail this week yeah, well, Rashawn Smith, our five-star linebacker, our highest-rated highest uh, commit for the 2016 class, decommitted uh, this week, which is which is unfortunate, um, but not. Uh, I mean, Clemson fans can kind of take a you know sigh of relief from the fact that um, he's still very heavily oriented to Clemson. Um, he decommitted so he could take some visits to other schools, which I can completely respect. That he's a 17 or 18-year-old kid. He wants to make the the best choice for himself. Um, you know, see what's out there, and if, if Clemson's the right fit, then great. If not, then um, you know it's 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 okay. It's it's not a big deal. And then I think just from the position um, itself, linebacker, we've recruited really well there. This is a loss that we can we could take if he doesn't come back to Clemson. If it were an offensive lineman, I would be a little bit more worried. We don't really have the the depth there to with uh, to withstand that. So um, anyway, so. Yeah, too bad, but hopefully he'll come back to Clemson. Um, you know, once he once he goes to those other schools and sees that you know Clemson is a special place. Well, and I think we're hearing this is kind of a different situation that you know he wasn't. You know, Dabo did not force him to decommit. This was kind of an out of respect thing. I I think just knowing that Dabo does not like for guys to take their official visits, um, and I, I feel different about this guy. Like, cause right before that, he said he's still ninety nine point nine percent committed to Clemson, and so I think I mean he's a kid, right? And this is like a once in a lifetime situation that he's in, and he wants to ha take this opportunity and go visit these other schools. And I honestly I don't blame him for it. I mean, again, you I think you you gotta let these kids have this these types of experiences. It, I think it's good for them. And they need to know all their options so they can make the best determination for themselves. And if it turns out that some other school is the best fit for him, I'm totally fine with that as long as everything is really kind of on the up, up and up with it. Um, but I, I do not at all blame this guy for, for taking these visits. Yeah, think about you as a Clemson, you know, former Clemson student or anybody. Did you switch your major? Did you, um, did you ever take a semester off? Like, people did change you transfer from South Carolina to Clemson? Yeah, I've I've done all of those actually. as a Duke basketball <laughs> fan. Like, what is this guy over here? How do you get on the How do you get on the podcast? No, but it's a point well taken. I mean, yeah. making meaningful lifelong decisions. It's good that he's, you know, exhibiting some maturity here. And first of all, it's nice to see. I imagine his relationship with Dabo is such that it's supportive, and that we're, you know, still all in on him. 
hopefully when he goes around, that'll play, that'll help him really know what he's got in Clemson as he's visiting these other schools. Well, what was it, Overton that visited Tennessee? Yeah, the wide receiver, uh, yeah, our last guy on our wide receiver board right. in Tennessee. And, and I think one of his, the things that I think maybe his father said, or maybe he said it himself, was it was kind of a visit there just only reaffirmed it, you know, his belief that the commitment to Clemson was the, the right choice. So, I mean, and this could happen with this kid. You know, he goes and sees the other, these other schools, and he, he just knows at heart, like, Clemson is the place for him. But it, a lot of this going into this, his friends could be going there and taking visits. He wants to tag along with them. And, you know, I'm sure these guys have a great time, you know, going and visiting these schools. So to take that away from a kid, again, I'm totally fine with it. I think you got to let them have these experiences. Uh, I guess elsewhere in recruiting, we've read that um, we have a commitment sort of in a similar vein, Cornell Powell looking to take some official visits. So it'll be interesting to see. He's a you know wide receiver um, prospect for us. Just wondering if he's going to need to decommit as well. I mean, yeah, Dabo set that precedent. I mean, he, it's always been the rule, too. This isn't anything new. Uh, Rashawn Smith's more is more highly, highly regarded in terms of you know, star rating than Cornell Powell. So uh, if he wants to do the same, I imagine he'll have to decommit as well. Well, I, but again, everything that I'm reading is not a rule. It's just Dabo like, strongly discourages it, and he, he doesn't like it. He feels, you know, commitment is a commitment. You know, we commit to you as a, as a school and as a program, and you commit to us as a an athlete and a student. Um, so, I mean, just what I'm reading is that it's not an absolute rule. This was something Smith decided to do, um, I, I think maybe out of respect, just so you're committed and you're not, you're taking these other visits and there's all of a sudden a lot of controversy and a lot of chatter. Just decommit, make it clean, take, take your other visits, and then when you're ready, actually make the commitment. Because that's what a commitment means. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's more or less whenever you come to Dabo's office, and here's what happens, you know, that they come in person, they say, Dabo, I want to commit, and, you know, he hugs them, but then he sits them down, and he says, are you sure you want to do this? And, he yeah. and hopefully he talks to the parent, and he says, are you sure that this is the right decision for you? And then he talks about, lays out, here's what commitment means to, to us at Clemson, and one of the kind of the criteria there is that you don't take other visits to other schools. Yeah. So, well, it's kind of like with, with Kim Diche. Yeah. Right? Like, I think he, Dabo actually tried to talk him out of committing to Clemson. And yeah. you see the circus that, that turned into. Right? Exactly. So I, I think, yeah, it's part of the, like not having these decommitments like this. And we've seen it. We, it's actually been, you know, rather effective over the last couple of years. But um, it happened with Kim Dietschy. And then you lose a lot. You lose a lot of the ability, the resources to go look, recruit other defensive ends of that class. So um, anyway, he, yeah, he tries to say don't commit. He yeah. tries to talk him out of it. Yeah. And I'll say this. I don't, I don't miss Kim Dietschy one bit. I don't think we're any worse of a team for it. We had the number one defense in the country last year. So you know what? Yeah. Good, good riddance to, hey, well, to a guy like Dad and his, his mother who's uh, had her hand, I think, in a little too much uh, uh, of the goings on there. So we're, yeah. we're just fine. Yeah, and, just, and, and, a, and a linebacker like Rashawn Smith, yeah, five-star. It'd be great to have him. We'll reload. We'll get other players. Like That's one of the positions that's the least of my worries. And then... Talking about Cornell Powell, the wide receiver. I mean, yeah. come on. Hey, quick, we, we quick thought on uh, Kim Dietschy, too. I just want to wrap, like, we can wrap it up. But Shaq Lawson, he was, uh, he was in the same class. Kim Dietschy was the number one player in the whole class. We actually had the better defensive end out of that class. Less, yeah. less regarded, but hey, the best, the best defensive end uh, resides in Clemson. Yeah, I'll, not take, Ole Miss. I'll take Shaq all day. Yeah, just wrapping up on Cornell Powell, I feel like we've had the 2015 class 
um, Ray Ray McLeod, Deion Kane, really strong group. So, you know, if we're a little thin at receiver coming into next year, I think we're set for a while. Be great to have him, keep his commitment, stick with Clemson. We can continue the WRU sort of concept that we've got going on. Uh, but we will see there. Anything else recruiting wise, Cody? Um, you know, just just stay tuned. We, we uh, the class is it's slimmed down at this point. We don't have a whole lot of openings. It's been a great class so far. Um, a few guys just kind of hanging in the balance, but I wouldn't expect too many um, commitments, and hopefully not any more decommitments from from here on out. With 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 Ebo leaving and then Battle going to the NFL, that opens up like that makes this class grows larger because of that, correct? Well, Battle was already a senior, so it really doesn't really affect the numbers. Ebo, yeah, maybe a little, right? Okay. He was a sophomore, but yeah. But then that that's where like a scholar could go to somebody like I don't think Renfro's on scholarship. I don't. Yeah, I don't believe he is. And then with all the hype that we're hearing about him, you're really worried about Renfro's scholarship. No, well, I'm just I'm <laughs> I'm just saying it's it's that's where this extra scholarship from Evo would not affect this class. It could go to him. Uh, and if from everything we're hearing, he's gonna earn it. So I I think that's how that would work. Yeah. So what we're saying is still no additional scholarships. No. Okay, still a small class. Okay, guys, let's get into starting off with the offensive line. Clearly, we've talked about this, and our listeners have read, this could be the biggest question mark for Clemson, both offensively and just as a team in general this year. Um, So with this preview, let's start with, look back at the 2014 unit, see how they were, and just talking about who's moved on. Overall, it looks like we we're losing four starters from last year. Um, to go through the list, Kalon Davis, probably the most talented in the group, David Beasley, Reed Webster, and then Isaiah Battle uh, will be moving on. This group um, was very serviceable from a pass protection standpoint, buying Deshaun Watson and Cole Stout, and once in a while Nick Schusler, um, at least enough time to go through their progressions and connect connect um, with wide receivers. Uh, but it doesn't. You know, strike me that they were definitely very effective in the running game. Uh, but we've definitely lost that experience and continuity of having those guys playing together for a number of years. So we are hitting the reset button a little bit with this group coming into this year. We were expecting to have uh, left, senior left tackle Isaiah Battle back. Uh, but he, as everybody knows, opted into the NFL's supplemental draft in June and was selected by the St. Louis Rams. So he will not be suiting up for Clemson this season. This really translates into us just being really thin on experience coming into the year. I think we've reloaded at certain positions that we'll talk about here, so we're not thin on raw talent as much. I just think it leaves you know very little margin of error um, for guys taking longer to develop, uh, the unit itself gelling, as well as if there are any injuries, kind of exposes us quite a bit. Um, so Cody, knowing who we've lost, knowing kind of the production that we had before, and you're probably most in tune with our incoming talent from freshman standpoint. Where are we with this this line? Who do you see starting? Can you talk us through um, our starters? Yeah, I think you hit on it because we we traded off of a lot of serviceable, not necessarily talented guys. Um, Kalon Davis was he was very productive, and Isaiah Battle was certainly talented, but not um, as a whole guys that just are that serviceable. Um, what we what we traded off those for inexperienced guys uh, with an you know an infusion of young talent and a chance for a brighter tomorrow from an offensive line perspective. Uh, Mitch Hyatt is probably the most notable out of all of those. He's a left tackle, a former five star from Georgia. 
Um, just a, a tremendous talent who, with the departure of Isaiah Battle, will now be plugged into that left tackle. You know, the the, the chief guy or the key guy protecting uh, Deshaun Watson's uh, blindside. So um, he's got the um, he's got the talent, the raw talent. Don't not sure if he's quite there from a um, I guess a experience standpoint. Good news, he'll be facing Shaq Lawson and Richard Yergin every day in practice. So he's gonna get he's gonna get some good looks at what a talented uh, defensive end coming at you looks like. Um, beyond him, though. Uh, we definitely have some some question marks in terms of depth. We do have seniors. We have Ryan Norton, who is a two year starter at center. We have Eric McLean, who's who's experienced at both tackle and guard. Um, we have Tyron Crowder, who's who's maybe um, a very bright spot at right guard to give um, to give us that push from the running game. And then we have Joe Gore, who is a five fifth year senior at right tackle, who um, who is very very talented, just has never been able to put it together. Dating back to last year, he looked really good coming into the season. Ended up having that appendectomy, and uh, and that kind of derailed uh, his his progression. They're really hoping that's what it was. Yeah, because they, I mean they see a, a high upside and a lot of potential in him, but they, and so they're really hoping that appendectomy was what kind of threw him off track last year. And then the potential they see with him coming into this year is actually going to be he's going to come to fruition. You know, they're gonna he's going to fulfill that exactly and. Yeah, you hope that's what it was because he, he was apparently looking like NFL caliber yeah. um, play at the beginning of fall camp last year, and they really liked what they had, and then all of a sudden he just he lost it. And there has been there have been issues uh, like the LSU game. Uh, he got plugged in kind of in a um, uh, that you know as it was 2012. He got plugged in. He wasn't ready. He you know blew a few assignments, and um, so in between the years, uh, there's kind of been an issue, but. Yeah, that was a few years ago. So I mean, you're talking about a freshman back that was then. Early on, he was yeah. young. Yeah, I mean, going back to kind of how we transitioned from last year. Um, yeah, we we do lose upperclassmen and guys with experience, and that's that's the main thing. But as a whole, it's hard for me to tell. Like, was that it was there between experience and actually like a ton of talent? Because you can, you know, just because you're experienced doesn't mean you're talented. So. It, it was kind of hard for me to tell last year. I couldn't tell if it was the offensive line play in some, some situations was affected by Cole Stout's play or if his play was affected by his injury or the offensive line's play. Not having a, you know, a really talented quarterback back there for most of the season, I think, affects my judgment on that. But, I mean, we can't say this. Yes, we lose experience. If you look at the guys we have come back this year, I mean, the starters I'm comfortable with. I'm comfortable with Gore, Crowder, Norton, and McLean. They all have experience. They've all played. Um, Mitch Hyatt, I never like to see freshmen start on the offensive line. This is the one guy that I think he's going to catch on really quick. He's got the body and the ability that I, th- I think he's going to be fine. There may be some some moments early in the season, but I think as things go on, uh, it, you know, he's going to be a, a great offensive lineman for us. Ben, I, I think you hit on it because experience doesn't always equate to talent or performance. We've had experienced line, uh, yeah, offensive line uh, cores in the past. Like last year, we had we had experience. Our secondary from 2012 was all upperclassmen, and they just kept getting beat. You know, yeah, or 2011. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily equate to uh, the talent. And going back to to Mitch Hyatt. In, in high school, he was playing up against some of the nation's top defensive ends. The guy's got experience. He's got the technique of any senior um, college player you're ever going to find. He's got the build, too, right? I mean, he's not... I th- yeah, he's, he's got the build. He's. Um, I think that's probably his, where he needs to improve. He needs to get his weight and strength up. And yeah. 
it's it's the the technique having that footwork he i think he played basketball he just he's very um he's got it you know that lateral quickness most freshmen aren't, aren't gonna have uh so yeah i mean again to reiterate uh it, it's not the starters maybe a little bit mitch hyatt until he gets his you know gets his legs under him gets his feet wedges gets used to the college game but it's really the depth that we're talking about here that we're missing out on because you take a guy like isaiah battle out and you replace him with somebody that would be a, a good option at backup and all of a sudden that person's thrown into being a starter and it just makes you thin across the board and, and we have a lot of young guys a lot of talented guys but they're not proven yet and again we talk about freshmen i'm not comfortable with freshmen playing on the offensive line except for maybe a random outlier like mitch hyatt um what has been very positive and we don't talk about this a lot but i think having jay guillermo come back is is huge and he's a redshirt junior so he's got some time left he has experience and from what we're hearing about uh from the first week of practice is actually looking really good so i think that's a huge shot in the arm to our depth um along the offensive line because what he can play center and he play tackle or you know you can play center and guard center and guard yeah okay so i think that's big but then you start looking down the line like who's behind that maverick morris has been in the program for this is his third year. Third now. year, couple yeah. couple seasons uh, now. He's a redshirt sophomore. I don't know. I don't recall how much playing time he got last year. Maybe in just mop up duty. He got a little bit. Yeah, garbage time. A little bit of experience, and he's yeah. All um, indications are he looks good. He looks like he's ready to at least be a backup this year. Great, yeah, great him. football name too, right? Eric Morris. Love the alliteration. Ready yeah. to go. <laughs> um, and then, but really outside of that, you know, we got redshirt freshman Justin Fascinelli. And then a couple true freshmen in uh, Jake Formosian and Noah Green. So yep. n- not a lot to work with there. You always worry about injuries along the offensive line. It's just these guys are in there, guys with a lot of weight on them, on those legs, grinding it out, you know, playing Georgia Tech where guys are diving at your knees. Like, there's going to be injuries. And you need guys, and especially with an up-tempo offense, too. Like, they're, they're probably the least in-shape guys on the football team. Yeah. You know? So... You need guys to come in and and be able to spell them uh, for certain periods of time. Um, you know, Taylor Hearn, redshirt freshman. He's he's looked good. I mean, the initial reports on him were that he might have been a bust and just a bad take. Yeah. But he's looked good. He's like he, he might be a guy that he falls into the the two deep or um, at least gets a little bit of, of uh, playing time as a backup. I think where we're incredibly thin, it's not necessarily in the middle with the guards in the in the, in the center position. It's the tackle position. We have nothing there. Yeah. It's it's Jake Fremorgen, who is also a true freshman, very talented, uh, and and a guy that you're you're really optimistic about when he can one day play alongside Mitch Hyatt um, as the our two, as our tackle combination. But he'll be anchoring the tackle position for both Joe Gore at right tackle and. Mitch Hyatt at left tackle in, in the in the case that there's an injury. And then beyond that, don't really know who the next guy up is. Eric McLean. Well, uh, listed listed on the on the roster of two thousand fifteen, we got guys like William Cockerill and uh, Daniel Stone. Yeah, household names, right? Yeah, I've never heard of those guys. <laughs> so um, but Noah Green is the, the other guy that would be he's a true freshman I, and he, another talented guy. By some services he was rated a four star. But not a guy that you want to burn that that red shirt for, and he it looks like he probably will be there as a two third op, or second or third option at tackle. I mean, essentially, we're going to need Mitch Hyatt to come in as good as advertised, and then at least one guy to grow up quick. Yeah, and and also to be fortunate 
with the injuries. Very fortunate. So, I, yeah, I mean, it's center if Ryan Norton goes down. I think you plug in a guy like Guillermo. Um, I can't remember who else, who they have. Justin, yeah, that's a, that, was no, it that's good. that was there? Fascinelli is a redshirt freshman and has drawn rave reviews from the coaching staff and his teammates is a guy that has a very bright future. So I'm glad that some of these guys that in, in previous recruiting classes weren't, you know, we haven't been getting four or five-star offensive linemen. Those guys don't grow on trees. We've been getting these three-star guys who it's really hard to project. So now you're at the time, you're in that second or third year. It's like you kind of, you know what you got at this point. Where they, are they a bust? Are they going to provide some value to our program? And guys like Justin Fascinelli has has kind of passed that threshold. We know he's going to be a valuable player. Um, Taylor Hearn might be a serviceable guy. We know Maverick Morris looks the part. So it's good that these guys are being pushed up. They're the next in line. They're probably not necessarily going to be starters, but they're, they're the guys that are going to be backing up the Mitch Hyatts, the Jake from Origins, the Tyrone Crowders, and that's that's very it's a very positive sign. You know, I read where um, Robbie Caldwell, the offensive line coach, really likes to have his his most most athletic guy at the center position, and then I hear that you know Jay Guillermo is backing up Ryan Norton. Uh, Guillermo doesn't seem to me to be the most athletic guy on the offensive line, so. Again, yeah, he can fill in, and I think he's a guy with experience, and he's going to have an impact this year, and it's good to have him. But I don't really want to see Ryan Norton go down. No. Because, I, I mean, you can have a great quarterback, but if you can't get the ball to him, you know, that could be an issue. 6'3", 3'10". Those are his official stats. Ryan Norton's 3'10"? Uh, that's Guillermo. That's Guillermo. Yeah. Guillermo weighed in at 225. He's a bit overweight from his, from three, his hiatus. 3'25". Three, three he weighed, yeah. You said 225. I'm sorry, 325, yes. Um, but I, I've heard that he's come down uh, with the start of camp. Um, no, Ryan Norton's a 6'3", 285 guy. He's, so that's, that's more center-like. He's going to get you the ball. He's going to get the quarterback the ball, but he's also going to get no push for running backs right. and the running game. Talking about Ryan Norton. Jay Guillermo has a little bit more of an upside. Yeah. Um, let's talk about how the, the offensive line, kind of a, a way that we can... I don't want to say mitigate, but really that's what it is, is mitigate some of the weaknesses or offset some of the weaknesses. And like you were talking about Cole Stout versus Deshaun Watson, we're not going to talk about quarterbacks, but we'll say if Deshaun Watson is in there and he's healthy and he's able to spread the field, open up the passing game, it's going to keep those safety blitzes. um, It's going to keep the linebackers off the line. It's going to take a lot of pressure off the offensive line. So it's kind of that, is it symbiotic relationship where, hey, you protect the quarterback and he'll protect you. So we touched on this a bit last time, but where do the tight ends play into this? You know, we they're kind of like, for us, we like to see them as kind of the hybrid position where they're part receiver, and they, they, they do help out in the blocking schemes. Um, you know, I'm looking at the roster right now. I see a guy like Roderick uh, Byers. He's a senior tight end. He's 6'3", 290. Why, <laughs> why is he not on the offensive line? Why is he a tight end? He's he's actually bounced around. I don't know why he's listed at tight end. He's he's I mean, came, he's been a defensive end up until this point in his career, and he's just kind of he's listed mid- as a tackle there for uh, depth. Clemson's roster page. Okay, but so he's a guy that's just trying to plug a hole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's he's it. got a big body, but uh, again, stuff like that doesn't lead to talent. So, but well, I guess moving on from that, I mean, if, if we want to talk a little bit about the Titans now, maybe more so of how they fit into the blocking scheme than the the, the offensive production. Uh, from that skill set point of view, um, you know we hear a lot of good things, and it's hard to tell about JJ McCullough that he's doing really well, but we know he's proven to have off-field issues, 
So how confident can we be that he's going to have a positive impact and be somebody we can depend on and kind of both, both aspects of the tight end position? Yeah, I, between him and Leggett, it's been a bit disappointing. And not necessarily because they're bad players, but because they came in with four-star hype and they haven't lived up to that up to this point. I mean, and if you if you have a really dominant tight end, we've seen across football what that can really do to your team. I mean, look at Rob Gronkowski uh, for the New England Patriots. I mean, he's the best receiver on that team, and he's one of the biggest impact player on the offense. He's also an exceptional blocker, and I think the fact he gives you yeah, both of those you know components. Yeah, exactly. He's tenacious, and I mean, the guy has a mindset to go out there and he's going to be the best. And do we have a guy on this team that has that? Maybe in, the, in an underclassman, you know, uh, guys coming in. But I, I have yet to see it out of Leggett or McCullough. Talent, you know, despite the talent that they have. I think this is where, sorry, sorry, Cody, I think this is actually where the coaching staff needs to look at this position and say it's not about what you're owed based on your tenure or, you know, what your hype was coming in or anything else. Even your experience here, it's about what do we need out of this position group. And... I know Leggett and Stanton Seconder, they're going to get their looks probably more from the playmaker standpoint, from the receiving end on the tight end standpoint. Well, and they've even talked about Seconder's straight up moving to wide receiver. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's just got, you look at him, he has more of that build. Right. So I'm thinking more just in general, they need to find that sixth offensive lineman. Yeah, guys can block. Yeah. And is it Cannon Smith? I mean, he, again, you know, take the roster heights and weights measurements with a grain of salt here but he projects as kind of the biggest tight end that we've got on the roster can he come in as a redshirt freshman and you know really fit on either support mitch hyatt on the weak side or um you know joe gore yeah i mean i i think we would value a guy that can block a lot more than a guy that can catch the ball this year because we, we got guys that can catch the ball you know guys out of the backfield or yep. not you know obviously our wide receivers so i mean it's good to have that threat I mean, I think it's uh, if you if you have that luxury, it's a key component in an offensive scheme, especially in the type that we run. Uh, but I mean, this year specifically, just with the issues we have on the offensive line, we need a guy that can block. And I don't know who that is right now. I'm, I'm hoping Leggett gets his act together and really takes this seriously. I think he's a junior now. Um, he's kind of had some growing pains. And, you know, again, these are kids. This you know, is they're the they're all going to come to different levels of maturity. And this it, is the first year that they haven't that they're actually being pushed by guys that are just as talented as them. And that's what Leggett hasn't had. Some people respond, you know, really well to that kind of push. Some guys don't. Talking about J.J. McCall and and, and Jordan Leggett here, and they're being pushed by, like you were saying, Tully Cannon-Smith, who probably isn't, he's not going to be your prototypical Dwayne Allen receiving threat, but he is a a, a heck of a good blocker. And if you can provide that, that's, 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 that's immense value to this offense, along with Milan Richard, who is just about to say probably yeah. just as talented as any of them, and and maybe even more so. Who Herschel Walker's nephew again? He can block and he can catch. So if if these guys aren't on their game, the the thing that we can be optimistic about as Clemson fans is hey, you know they're not the only guys we can throw out there. We have better options now, and I'd rather get the redshirt freshmen some experience and, and plan for the future than you know uh, what could potentially be a lost cause by guys that just haven't got it together in their upperclassmen now. Well, and, and these upperclassmen, they have two games to figure it out. Yeah. The first two of the season, and, and I would like to see some plays specifically drawn up to kind of test them Yeah. Uh, to, to see if that work ethic and everything is there because if you're going to get those young guys in, 
you know, those first two t- games are the time to do it. Good point. Get them prepped going forward with Louisville and then Notre Dame. Yeah, that's that's a good point. So yeah, who do you wanna who do you wanna get prepped? The upperclassmen that haven't proven it, or maybe get Milan Richard and Cannon Smith in there to see what they're they're made of, get them some real real game time experience. I mean, either way they're gonna play. I mean, it's just we, we expect those in those games that these guys are gonna get into the ball game, you know, third, yeah. fourth quarter. It but I want them with the starting unit. Yeah, exactly. I want to see them with the starting unit. I want to have that experience and that that you know connection and see what they can do. Guys, just to wrap up sort of the overall um, offensive line, including tight ends, and sort of the, the protection and kind of blocking scheme impact that they'll be having on Clemson's offense this year. Let's bottom line it. Do we see this really as big of a weak link as maybe has been written? Um, what's your projection for this group? I hate to be doom and gloom, but when we talk about floor and we talk about ceiling, there is a, a, a ceiling, assuming there's good health, of an, an average to maybe above average group. And that's that's assuming that we, for one, Mitch Hyatt can stay healthy and, and he's able to develop, um, and that we're able to get a, a decent push from the from in the run game. I don't know if that's possible at this point. And then the floor. The floor is more um, if injuries happen and we're, and we're throwing Eric McLean and a tackle and a tackle position. You, you don't want a guy that's not a tackle at, you know, protecting Sean Watson. Chem- chemistry is huge. Chemistry is a big deal. Good point. And then Noah Green, another freshman, if we're throwing him in there and he's not ready, then, I mean, this could be a disaster. We could be facing every game where it's like Deshaun Watson is running running for his life. So a huge, uh, huge range between that, that ceiling yeah. and that floor. My, my bet is we're going to be average. Well, and I'll, honestly, I'll take that. If we're above average, then I see, and everything else comes together, I, I see great things for this season. I'm really expecting next season to be better. But if they're above average this year, then I think that a lot of good things can happen. If we're average, I will be happy. I think the way we're below average is when the injuries start to come into play. And unfortunately, I mean, myself, I believe that there are going to be injuries just because you see it happen all the time. But... If that doesn't happen, if there's maybe a surprise or two, average or above average, I, I, I think is achievable. And if that's the case, it's going to be a good season. And maybe a last point, even with an average offensive line with our offense, we can, we can, we can mitigate succeed. that. Exactly. Yeah. With, our, uh, with the type of offense we run, we can su- still succeed at high levels. It's not like Alabama where you have to have that, in that pro-style offense where you have to have a dominant offensive line. We can still be mediocre and, and get to the final four. Right. Guys, let's flip over to a bit more of a bright spot on uh, the defensive line. So there's no question uh, you see we were the number one ranked defense in 2014. I feel like this defensive line group last year really was the tip of the spear of that defense. Um, we, we graduated so, several of these guys. We'll go through them in a moment. We also had some um, attrition there based on discipline issues. So one would have thought coming into this year this was going to be another area where man, it's just going to be really hard to reload and build up on talent. Um, but as it turns out, there are bright spots, and we are seeing uh, that turnover happen. We may not maintain the number one defensive rating, but at, the, at least early signs from the D-line look like uh, we will be a serviceable group there and possibly even keep Clemson closer to the top 10, uh, which would be a tremendous outcome for us. Uh, I want to start just quickly by going through who – who graduated, who either went into the NFL draft or you know, is no longer going to play for Clemson this year. We'll start with the tackles um, in the middle. So Grady Jarrett, um, definitely an exceptional talent, um, had a tremendous 2014. 
we also are losing Deshaun Williams and Josh Watson at the tackle position. Um, one of everybody's favorite, Vic, Vic Beasley, uh, went to the Atlanta Falcons. Corey Crawford also gone from the defensive end position. Um, and we're also losing Tavares Barnes and Ebo was let go from the team earlier this season. And this is crazy. Just listen listen to those names. Listen to that list of guys. I mean, this is really a big part of why we had the number one defense in the nation last year. I mean, we were solid. You had no question about this defensive line. We're losing all of these guys, and we're calling this a bright spot for this year? That's that's fantastic. I You know, I would, would have never thought coming out of the spring game, going into the fall camp in this year, that we were going to look at these guys, this this position on the defense, as a bright spot. But from the guys that are stepping up, who have experience, to the freshmen coming in, it is exciting. I mean, I just can't imagine replacing all these guys and then having so much hype and really feeling like that we're not going to take much of a step back. Well, and I thought in the spring game, like, Evo was one of the, the best players, you know, from a defensive standpoint on the line. And he subsequently was let go. So the fact that we're still talking about this group being great this year with losing him in addition to kind of six powerhouse players is is great my thoughts are for one yeah that's last year's groups our last year's group um our backups were are now nfl players josh watson tavaris barnes but also i think what the way that it's worked out you just couldn't have a better and talk talking about roster management recruiting a better way to kind of bridge um, into next season or going to next season with you have these guys that like Shaq Lawson, DJ Reader, and and Carlos Watkins, Kevin Dodd, our four starters on the offensive line that all got significant playing time that are all, were all a big part of uh, us being the number one defense in the nation. And now they're still there, um, you know, with a year or two of eligibility left. But now we're, we have this infusion of young talent, these guys that are coming up that get to serve as the backup. So it's the perfect perfect way to progress and um, again it goes back to recruiting recruiting even evenly in terms of every year bringing in you know having some hits but also um, but also just bringing in talented guys because behind them we're talking about Christian Wilkins a true freshman out of Connecticut that could be one of the best players in Clemson history and that's that's on, on the high level but at the very least he's going to be a very good defensive tackle one yeah. sorry Ben um, I mean I feel like this is even continuing going into the 2016 class too. Just the reload, you know, every year continue to add great talent. We have Xavier Kelly signed, um, and apparently we're reading that um, Shavar Manuel, five-star defensive end talent, is going to visit Clemson as well. So it just continues. It's great to see. This is what the best programs do. They reload every year. Maybe they have five, six guys going to the NFL. I mean, that's, that's a crazy class. Uh, but even if you have a, lose a couple guys a year to the NFL, you've got to be able to reload. That's what Alabama and LSU have done. You know, it's nice to see us there too. Well, and you hear, you know, you know the cliche: the uh, the games are won in the trenches. So we just got off, you know, finished talking about the offensive line and the possible problems we can have there. The last thing you want is to be depleted and you know down on both lines, on both sides of the ball, because that can lead to a very long season. So, I mean, this is, to, to hear all the great things that we're hearing about the defensive line so far coming out of, in the, for, after the first week of practice and how the, the youngsters are looking and then how the experienced guys are really stepping up and assuming these roles, it's, it's fantastic to hear. I mean, it's a breath of fresh air considering what it could have been. Yeah, and I think we should look at this, our defensive line, obviously, into two, two groups until I think you would agree. Like, if you break our tackles and our ends down, uh, probably a little bit more promising in terms of depth and just experienced talent at tackle versus 
defensive end. Absolutely. Um, who are some of the, I mean, you, you mentioned DJ Reader and Carlos Watkins. Um, Watkins is coming off of, he was a, a starter during the 2013 season, um, played in that UGA game, uh, but suffered a, a car accident um, and really has been kind of out of, out of commission until this season. So getting him back, if what appears to be full strength, is going to be a shot in the arm for this group. Um, DJ Reader definitely has solid experience. I mean, which is, let's be honest, tough to get when you've got you know Grady Jarrett, Deshaun Williams, and Josh Watson ahead of you on a depth chart last year. So having those guys step in and be leaders, you know, is great. But um, I think we're both looking at one freshman in Christian Wilkins, who's looked incredible in the fall practice so far. Yeah, and. I think um, you know we'll talk about Wilkins and Albert Huggins at, at the tackle position along with the other freshmen. I think the one thing we want to account for uh, for these guys that have been playing back up to Vic Beasley and Grady Jarrett and Deshaun Williams is some. It's and it's hard to predict this, but these are guys that have been chomping at the bit. They've wanted to be. Um, they wanted to be in the spotlight. We're talking about guys like DJ Reader, Carlos Watkins, uh, now Shaq Lawson and Kevin Dodd. They're they're ready. They're hungry. And it's the first chance they're running out there with the first team. They're getting their reps, and they're, they're, they want to, and they have a chip on their shoulder too because people are doubting them. They're saying that you're not going to be able to live up to next year. So I think you're going to see not just the same version of what they were, but obviously more experienced and hungrier than previous. Well, and as and as talented as they are, it's amazing to think that they weren't necessarily the, the number one backups even last year. I mean, like you said, our backups are in the NFL from last year. And then these guys coming in, we are just really reloading. Let me... All right. We'll talk about this year. Um, and part of that has to do with all the great freshmen that we have. And I, I start to think about this here. It, it starts leading me down the road of thinking not just this year and what these guys are going to be able to come in and produce, but let's take a look three years down the road. Let me read you these names. Christian Wilkins, Albert Huggins, Austin Bryan, uh, Clellan uh, Farrell, and Gage Stravenka, all true freshmen. Like Xavier Kelly coming in. Xavier Kelly coming in next year. Talk about this year. Yeah, we're gonna be good. Three years down the road. Wow. I mean, it just we just keep reloading. And again, they they don't have to go in like maybe in previous years where the roster management isn't there, or it's probably more so just recruiting. Like we'd probably be relying on you know like Kevin Dodd with very little experience, or maybe we'd be pushing a. A, fr- a true freshman in a little early with um, you know who's not quite ready, but now we're getting to pull him in as as backups initially. And a guy like Christian Wilkins, maybe he'll you know he'll take a starting spot because he's that good. But yeah. initially, we're not asking him to do that, and it's just the perfect perfect cycle into you know having a good 2016, 17, and beyond. Yep. And, and to be honest with you, I'm a lot more comfortable uh, with uh, defensive linemen coming in as true freshmen and playing more so than I am on the offensive line. Really, the two positions that scare me the most, uh, well, maybe three, uh, that I would say having a true freshman come in and play would be offensive line, quarterback, and uh, your kicker. Um, so defensive line, I'm really less concerned about. And But like you said, we're a little beefier there. We have more depth. And so to give these guys some time to, to get acclimated and get used to the college, the speed of the college game, and just the size of the guys, you know, the different the difference from high school. But I, I think a few of them, definitely Wilkins, has a chance to come in and make a huge impact this year. So, yeah. So I feel like we've kind of covered off on where's the talent, who are the, who are, who are the names for this year, who do we have? It's it's definitely promising. Um, let's take a look a little more at defensive scheme and kind of what we're going to be facing with our opponents um, throughout the schedule. Clearly, the 
you know, the focus of your D line is, you know, establish a pass rush, really get back there and disrupt their quarterback and their game plan, um, protect the run and basically, you know, not only stuff the run, but make sure they're not beating on the outside as well. Cody, across those three kind of, um, you know, dynamics, where do you see the biggest strength for this defense based on this talent that we've talked about and where maybe might we have the biggest struggle, if any? I don't, well, let's say this. I don't think we're going to be as good at getting to the passer as we were as we as we were last year. I think Shaq Lawson, when we compare to Vic Beasley, completely different skill sets. Doesn't have you know that that first step that Beasley does, you know Beasley has, but really who has that kind of first step? Um, but the good thing is he probably does in terms of uh, against the pass against the run. He equally is is effective, um, which could be you know and with uh, you know just the natural progression of players through college from year to year, he could actually be better. At defensive end than Vic Beasley was as an All-American. He has that kind of upside. Um, Maybe a more it, balanced talent. More balanced talent, yeah. Yep. We might not see him on All-American lists. Those those things are subjective, but he is an All-ACC all caliber player. Behind him is Richard Yergin, um, who is a true uh, redshirt freshman, who has done a great job in showing out in practice. He is that kind of Vic Beasley, you know, uh, quick to the quarterback, um, type guy, so they had that same, you know, that same dynamic that Vic Beasley and Shaq Lawson had last year, just kind of in the reverse order in terms of who starts. I'm telling you, these are going to be household names. Most of these guys, I mean, we're really talented. A guy we haven't talked about, Scott Pagano. I mean, he he hasn't really shown out yet, but we're we're hearing he's looking a lot better here in in fall camp, more so than he did in spring game. And the guy just look at him, the guy's a beast. I mean, he came in with a with a. You know, college football ready body as a true freshman, and I think if you know, he may be a guy. It takes a while to put it all together, but coming into his third year in the program, uh, he's a red shirt sophomore um, at this point, so still got a few years left. I really look to him to excel too. I mean, we're a- so you see, you see Pagano contributing in the, in the run game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so. Yeah, I think to that totally. I, I watched him in the Oklahoma game. I just, you know, I wanted to nerd out a little bit on some film, seeing what you know the next guys up are going to offer. So I watched the Oklahoma game probably like twice, and just watched Pagano. And he I, he doesn't have that lateral quickness. I don't think he's going to be able to get to the quarterback and be that guy. But he every play he pushed his guy back three four yards into the backfield. Just a Mauler. And that's what you need. You need a guy like that. That's what Grady Jarrett did so well. Is he just blew up the offensive line and just caused disruption in, in, into the backfield. And that can affect so many plays. You can push the pocket back. You know, you can get back, open holes to get to the runner um, if they're running the football. So it's huge. I mean, you just need a guy like that, that that can just be disruptive. And Pagano can certainly be that guy. And when we look at sort of some of the offenses we're going to be facing we play two two teams highly focused on the, the option granted Wofford you know they're, they're maybe not at the caliber of Georgia Tech um, we'll get into previews here coming up of Louisville and Notre Dame but um, I think you know definitely being able to if they're not going to find opportunities to rush you know between the tackles um, I actually feel like this line might even be better suited than last year at setting the edge and actually tracking down kind of those edge edge running backs or quarterbacks that are going to scramble. Um, to your point earlier about Shaq Lawson, you know, can he also contribute in the run game as at the end position? I think the answer is yes, comparatively to like a Vic Beasley. Yeah, I think you I think you kind of hit on it a little bit. We don't really face. I don't think there's any great quarterbacks on our schedule. So the fact that we might not be as good at rushing the passer doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, coupled with the fact that our 
defensive backs, our secondary. Um, we got some lockdown guys back there. So, um, so yeah, I think all in all, it could be it could be a net positive in terms of just we'll we'll do better against the run. We'll we'll face a couple, you know, decent quarterbacks. Malik Zaire from Notre Dame, for sure. Um, and then Everett Golson from Florida State. Yeah, but you're right. Really, outside of that, well, Georgia Tech's quarterback. He's solid. Yeah, whatever that guy's name is. Um, he <laughs> was. I think Phil Steele projected him as the. First team all ACC preseason, yeah. But Somehow ahead of Deshaun Watson, but whatever. His 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 biggest weapon is probably his legs. Yeah, but that talking could, about like a pure passer, like a Jameis Winston, right? I don't. We don't have any of those. I don't. I, but his his legs in that offense, I mean, that's that's what makes that offense run. So we can talk about this this defensive line all day, and if they can do the normal things, great. That's awesome. They'll also need to be able to keep their assignments in a game like against Georgia Tech. Absolutely. Um, and I think really the Georgia Tech, you know, from a Brent Venables mindset, linebacker play, really what how they're able to pursue, close in, you know, not give yeah. up those seven yard plays when you can contain to two to three yards. Um, that's how you beat Tech. So that that and your defensive defensive ends because they have to make the right reads and, and make sure they stick on their assignments too. I think probably yeah. your defensive tackles a little bit less to do that with that. I mean they're just plugging up the middle, um, but. So we'll see. The switch back. I mean, yeah. again, very talented guys. Let's so. spend a quick second on the freshman. We talked a little bit about Christian Wilkins. We know what we know. If you don't know that name, you know, look out for it because he's not only a defensive tackle. He's so athletic as a 300 pound guy. He can be moved to defensive end in a pinch. We also have Austin Bryant, a defensive end, four star defensive end, and Clellan Farrell. You, you mentioned his name. Um, another four star defensive end. They're they're both showing out in practice as true freshmen. They were both actually injured their senior year, so lost a little bit of time. But you're talking about the work ethic and the character. You know, guys were bringing in. They just they put on both about anywhere from 15 to 20 pounds of muscle. And then with Albert Huggins, I mean, these true freshmen guys, it's looking. I mean, not just this year, but the future. It's looking and, amazing. And Albert Huggins wanted to play defensive end. He, you know, the coaches gave him that option, and he. He finally realized he's just best suited at defensive tackle. Yeah. And since he's made that conversion, he he looks better. He looks like he's ready to contribute as a, as a true freshman. So couple him with Christian Wilkins. And, man, in the next three years at least, we're going to be just fine at defensive tackle. And do you love how all this is coming together? I mean, for the longest time there, we were really known for our offense. And then the offense took a step back last year. And then the, the, the return of our, you know, that nasty Clemson defense is back. And now we're just to see it start to come all together where we're really elite on both sides of the ball. Really exciting. I think it all comes down to Jake Venables. Brent Venables? Brent Venables? No, Jake Venables. That's, <laughs> that's his, his son who is in the 10th grade now. If, he, if we can get a commitment from him. Then Brent is here for a while. Venables will be here for yeah. Brent Venables, the father, will be here for the next seven years. That's so, a good point. Jake Venables. Yeah. All right, well, he, his first offer, he has two offers. His first one was from Clemson. His second one was from Texas Tech. No-brainer. Yeah. Right? Okay, so as long as Brent's here, you assume he's coming. I mean, Clemson versus Lubbock, it's no, you, you said it best, no-brainer. Lubbock. Lubbock. Yeah, Lubbock. So, guys, maybe to wrap, wrap up the defensive line group, um, you know, before we get to kind of floor versus ceiling, um, I think we, we've touched on that a little bit here, but... Who do you see really as the standout leaders in this group? And whether it's who would you project to be the leaders or anything you've read up, you know, in terms of the spring practice, 
and fall practice here. Um, maybe at both kind of core position groups here, who's gonna who's gonna really be the vocal leader, the locker room guy to keep Brent Venables' message flowing through the masses? I think Shaq Lawson's yeah. he's always been a good leader for the program, even because he's he's been playing since he was a true freshman. Um, plus, he's probably the most talented guy, um, if not at defensive line, maybe on the team. Um, Kevin Dodd is another guy. He's a fifth year guy. He's actually twenty three years old. He's a redshirt junior. So you got, I think you got some pretty strong leadership there from the defensive ends, and then and then Reader and and Watkins at tackle um, provide great leadership and a lot of experience. So I think I think from that's another element that we it's hard to measure because we have no idea what's going on behind the locker room or behind the scenes. Yep. But I think there's an element of, of leadership there just from experience. And by the way, all four of those guys are NFL players, so that's always a good thing. Yeah, I wonder about Watkins a little bit in the, concerning the leader role. Just you know, he's gone. The kid's gone through a lot, and what he's coming back from. So we'll see how that develops. I hope his head's in a in a right place and he's gotten the support he needed. Um, but really excited to see what he's going to be able to do, at least from the talent wise. Um, but I definitely think Shaq Lawson and Kevin Dodd, the two defensive ends, both experienced, are really going to be leaders of this group. And then you're going to see that start to, I think, boil over into Richard Yergin and see what he can pull out of that and then get Wilkins in there early, right? And just get him developed, get him the experience, and really turn him into a leader. Maybe not this year, but, but even maybe this year, maybe he's the guy that really heads up these true freshmen that are coming in and they're so talented. He, he requested, Christian Wilkins, requested a meeting with the president of Clemson, and uh, he, he got to meet him in person, wanted to t- ask him a few questions before committing to really? Clemson. Yes. The, we're not recruiting... Who does know, that? Yeah, that's, who, do, who no, does that? Yeah, that says a lot. We're recruiting high-caliber guys. Uh, Richard Yergin, who is, you know, who's going to be working at defensive end, was committed to, the, committed to Notre Dame and came to Clemson. He's another guy, just great work, that, work ethic, great character. So... What we don't have in leadership from you know that experience, um, or for what these guys I should say don't have an experience, yeah. they, they they're, they're going to get there, and they're they're high caliber people. Well, and you can come in more mature. That gives you a leg up right off the bat. Um, so I mean, it's kind of like how Deshaun Watson came in. I mean, everybody said from the moment he stepped foot on campus, is like this guy has it. You know, he's a, just a level beyond what a freshman should be. Not just in the physical aspects of the game, but the mental aspects and. That, that across the board that applies to every single position group and so certainly here so yeah if Wilkins uh, sounds like he has that that could be huge and again to lead these not you know the upper class don't need the leadership uh, but to lead these other freshmen who are just equally as talented maybe they're not, they don't have it quite yet uh, yet in the maturity aspect of it but if he can help lead that and develop it that's huge because again we've got the guys this year but this talented crop of young freshmen you're looking to the future. That's the rebuilding, you know. That's or sorry, the reloading instead of the rebuilding. Cool. So, guys, let's bottom line this. Um, there's been a lot. We've obviously been very positive on this position group. I want to take a little bit of the opposite angle here, downside wise. What type of offense could expose this defensive line in any which way, and where do you see uh, potentially the biggest downfall of this D line, if any? A, a really good offense that has a good offensive line, which that's that's a simple answer. But are you talking about you know power run game? Are you talking about really athletic um, halfbacks coming out of the backfield? Are you talking about a mobile quarterback? Are you talking about a deep threat? Like what type of offensive scheme disrupts this D line? I would say more a power running game, and that and frankly um, that could be Georgia Tech. 
uh, it could be something that we face in the postseason. You know, like in Alabama when, we, when we're in the, in the playoff. Um, kidding, but hopefully that's the case. I think, uh, but the downside though, just on, uh, it's hard to really assess these things into too much depth because you got to see them play. We have to see them play a little bit. Yeah. I think even though we have been very positive and I think the first week of practice has made us maybe a little bit more positive than we would have been previously, there is a considerable drop off, um, where our ceiling could be a, a, a great defensive line, but our, our floor could also be an average defensive line. And I think that's as always with injuries be, because there isn't that proven experience and talent behind us or behind the, the first starters. So in the case that a guy like Shaq Lawson gets injured and you're, you're put in Austin Bryant or uh, Clellan Farrell, Farrell um, into the mix and they're just not ready. And it, it could, there could be a considerable drop off at that point. And that's maybe a little bit where Ebo being dismissed from the team hurts. But if we take injuries out of it, then I think anything less than above average would be a huge disappointment out of this group, and I certainly, and honestly, I don't expect it. I mean, I expect this to be a, from what we're hearing, a really strong aspect of our defense this year. And kind of going back to the point of like what type of offense could derail it, and um, I would agree with you, Georgia Tech for sure. Um, it's good to have Wofford on the schedule because they run the triple option as well. I mean, I would say as long as Paul Johnson is coaching at Georgia Tech that we schedule Wofford right before Georgia Tech every single year. Um, I know we don't have that flexibility, that much control over our schedule of when we play these teams, but we can certainly have them on the schedule. And, I mean, if we're going to play a cupcake, you might as well play a cupcake that runs a triple option, right? Absolutely. I mean, because mm -hmm. at least that provides some benefit in learning opportunities. I mean, rather than just running over a Furman or something like that. So. Well, and what, what you lose, you talked about if we do have an injury to Shaq Lawson or more from the, the end position. We're not able to get a pass rush where you get hurt is facing an elite quarterback that can pick apart your defense um but we do have strength at the secondary linebackers still developing but that should be pretty strong so the fact that we're not facing kind of that you know prototypical passer on our schedule you know i think does give us some flexibility or some kind of insulation against injury which is good the beauty of that too totally is our being our secondary being so strong we don't necessarily have to get the quarterback quite as quick they should be able to give us a, give the the defensive line some breathing room yeah you can get some coverage sacks right so exactly well and when we go to play Everett Golson in Florida State as long as the secondary can catch the ball and the defensive line can recover fumbles we'll be just fine there because he's a turnover machine absolutely that's right <laughs> cool well anyway uh that's it that's your defensive line I think we're we're very excited about that group we'll continue on with the defense in future position previews I think we've wrapped up on the offense here um, we will circle back on special teams as well. All right, guys, moving on. Um, just wrap up with some quick takes today. Uh, it looks like coming out of the fall practice, uh, as we expected, Deshaun Watson looks tremendous. I wanted to get your guys quick, just from what you've read, um, preview on some of the other quarterbacks, looking at Nick Schusler, Kelly Bryant. Um, I'm a little concerned from what I'm hearing from Nick Schusler. I don't not hearing a lot about him, they're not, which kind of concerns me because I would like to hear a lot more positive things considering Deshaun Watson's injury history uh, and where that could put us in needing a, a solid backup quarterback. So I'm a little concerned there. I'm really excited about what I'm hearing about Kelly Bryant and not how he's progressing just from the running aspect, but his passing has improved. That's kind of his weak spot, his accuracy. And we're hearing a lot of good things about his development, and it's good to hear that coming quick. I think you could see some packages uh, with him this year, 
against certain teams uh, that are not as good against the read option, like teams like Notre Dame, uh, where you could have certain packages built in for him. Generally, I'm not a fan of of having this rotating quarterback special package things. I like to have a great guy and put him in there, and he's your he's your guy, he's your quarterback. But if you run into a situation where Deshaun Watson gets hurt and you need somebody to plug in for either a little bit or for a long extended period of time, maybe he could help balance some of the things that Schuessler's good at. I think we need Schuessler to be the number two at this point. I, I agree it'd be great to get Kelly Bryant playing time and take advantage of some of his skills, but Schuessler had a tremendous spring game. Again, we were not seeing the defense's best effort there, but he really is the second stringer. would be great to see him develop you know, in this fall camp well and especially with tucker israel going down with that broken foot he'll be out just up to right before the first game of the year i think it was the same injury that uh robert smith or gary peters had last year i believe gary yeah gary peters yeah okay they kept him out four weeks uh but still it's a little different from being an experienced upperclassman defensive back as opposed to a true freshman quarterback so i would like to see him be able to be in there go through camp uh push him and Kelly uh, push each other more and just be able to develop and have that um, connection with the wide receivers and the teammates. So that's a little bit of a disappointment because really right now we're sitting very, very thin at three quarterback options. Um, I'm sure there's a, another guy there somewhere, and I have no clue what his name is. Um, so we are thin at that position. So I, I don't really... I don't really mind if... I, I want Kelly Bryant to be the guy um, up next. I, I, I see... I can definitely see the the benefits of having Schuessler there, but here's the thing: if Deshaun Watson goes down, it's the same thing as last year. When Deshaun Watson goes down, we're just not the same team. Our ceiling yeah. is not as high, and what we we have to realize that we're not going to make the playoff. We're probably not going to make a, a BCS bowl. It's not the same team. I would just I wouldn't even say probably. I'd say we're not. We're we, not. We, we have to have him. He's the one guy on the team. And yeah, guys, looking at this, I mean, our our four deep at quarterback is Bryant, Israel, Schuessler. And Watson, those are our four quarterbacks. Um, there's no experienced junior, you know, guy that's kind of can fill in as a third string role. Um, really, if, if you have too many injuries, that's Hunter Renfro is kind of like your uh, your left fielder who can also pitch. You know, he's. I, he, I hope it doesn't come to that. Um, but as guys start to get hurt, you need guys on scout team and stuff like that. Yeah, but we're not going to yeah, we're going to pretend like that's not going to happen. Okay. So, the drop off or we'll say the added value of Schuessler over Kelly Bryant with the opportunity cost being um the ups, you know, the experience for the future. I want I want Bryant in there because I don't think he might actually be better than Schuessler right now. Maybe not, but if nothing else, he's getting seasoned for next year for the year after. Yeah. So, I think Schuessler gives you as close to what Watson offers as, as more so than Bryant, I guess is what my so point you're saying. Is. He is better than Kelly Bryant, but how significantly better is he? And I agree. I get what you're saying in terms of would it be better to get him some snaps and reps this year if this year is a lost cause? Absolutely, I and agree if, with you on that. And I hate, I hate, yeah, lost cause is kind of strong. But when Watson goes down, in terms of championship playoff, it is it is a lost cause from that you know from that standpoint. Let's use if and not when. He's not going to go down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tell you guys, it's not going to happen. He's right. made of steel. Yeah, All right. He's over. It's just yeah. So we're solid at QB. Watson's good to go. Um, let's look elsewhere. D- in, in, elsewhere in news, Dabo was named to college football's competition committee who reviews, it looks like, rules um, just based on um, really the rules of, of play and uh, bylaws related to college football. Anything to say here, guys? 
Well, normally, I mean, you would say this is not a very noteworthy, interesting subject, uh, but I'll say this, you know, the rules of college football, they're kind of in the, in the nature of college football and the style of play is always evolving. Um, and I would say a lot of times, a lot of those things carry over into the NFL. So it's really important about what's going on in college football. The, the reason I think this is important is because they said a lot of this uh, discussion that's going to be going on in this panel has to do with the up-tempo offenses and the speed of today's game. So having a guy like Dabo on there, a team that, you know, your bread and butter is the up-tempo offense, I think it's good to have that voice and he can get some insider information. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I think, it, you know, like having D-Rad on the uh, college football playoff committee, uh, the same thing with having Dabo here on the rules committee, I think that's, that's going to make a difference. It's going to be a benefit to us. Not to mention that this means people are really starting to respect Dabo for who he is as a head coach, right? Yeah, and who he is is just a, a credible person within the college landscape. Yeah. Um, you know, a guy that makes um, that does right by people and leads a first class program. Yeah. I, think, I think that's what it's a it's a reflection. He's of. not an interim coach anymore that came in and beat South Carolina once and got given a job as a you know guy in his late thirties. You know, he's a guy. It's established now and has built a program. Like he has credibility. He leads the nation in graduation rates, or he's he's you know one of the top programs in the nation with graduation rates. So right. It's, yeah. So I mean, I, he's turning into one of the most respected uh, college football coaches in the country, and I think this this proves it. Fair point. What we still have to see is the ACC to recognize what he's done um, as a as a coach of the year, coach of the year candidate. Um, I think we've talked about this in the past. We'll probably get into it in the future. There's an incredible bias toward coastal division coaches for that Coach of the Year award. Dabo, I don't even think has been a finalist there, even when we won the ACC. So, you know, yeah, yeah that's a that good shows point. you what you need to know about that award. This, this is the perfect year where our our expectations all across the board, where we have a great chance of really over, uh, you know, overachieving and going way beyond those expectations. No, Duke's going to go 8-4 and four and get into a mid-level bowl game, and David Cutcliffe is going to get the Coach of the Year. National Coach of the Year. National, <laughs> most most likely. They're a basketball school. Yeah, you can go 8-4 and four at Duke. I mean, You led a bunch of smart kids to some football. To victory. To an eight, eight-season yeah. football season. Show them the eight promised land. Season. Cool. So elsewhere in headlines real quick, um, former Clemson safety Robert Smith was released by the Indianapolis Colts this week um, and picked up by the Seattle Seahawks. So I feel like if you're a player, you go through kind of highs and lows. But to be added to that um, incredible Seahawks secondary, even just for training camp, I mean, hopefully he can prove himself and make that team. But definitely a leap forward for um, Robert Smith in terms of you know which defense he'll work with here. Well, I think it's good for, for him, too, because you talk about the Seahawks. You know, They're shelling out a lot of money for their top-name guys now. Uh, because these guys have proven themselves over the past couple of years. So maybe where they're needing to get rid of some some payroll and bring in a guy like this, they're not going to have to pay a lot for him to be to learn from these guys uh, and just be around that culture. It is certainly a benefit more so than, than playing on the Colts defense, I would imagine. Absolutely. Um, Pete Carroll, definitely one of the best secondary uh, development guys ever to, you know, great, to roam the sidelines in the NFL. Um, so I think it's going to be great for Robert Smith to – Learn behind Earl Thomas, which who's just really a special talent at safety, um, and as well as Cam Chancellor, who plays kind of the free safety position uh, for Seattle. So good news, congrats, Robert. Um, 
one of our last updates here, it looks like uh, there are some upgrades coming along throughout the Clemson athletic facilities. Uh, one that most impacts football and is probably most timely here is uh, the pedestrian bridge that'll connect the, um, looks like, let's see which part here, uh, basically both of the lower decks of the stadium. Uh, they're calling it also the Oculus. It's basically a pedestrian bridge um, project with a large kind of glass-lined um, vertical tower. Uh, that's nearing completion, should be ready to go by the Wofford game. Um, so that'll be cool, kind of a, an upgrade to the stadium as we see that come through. Yeah, well, it's exciting to see all these things across campus. It's not just the Oculus of the football season, which uh, stadium, which you know all you guys are aware of. You go to the games, you've seen the construction, you know the history of the West End Zone. But then also the upgrades to the, uh, the baseball stadium and continuing to build uh, that program and have the facilities to be able to compete, uh, especially in-state with a team like South Carolina, and giving Monty Lee these new tools to recruit uh, these guys, he's doing great at recruiting, but this can only help. But then also the uh, the Little John renovations, uh, that's well underway. And so it's a lot of excitement around campus, you know, in this, uh, you know, and they're all kind of around the same area. So coming into football season, you're going to see a lot of work going on, and it just really builds excitement for all of our sports programs. So it's good to see a lot of the stuff that's been talked about actually, you know, come to fruition and get underway. Absolutely. Good stuff all around. Um, well, that's all the time we had for today, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Um, stay tuned for more position group previews. We will also be doing kind of a um, state of the program, full season recap, you know, a bit more for the diehards and especially our casual fans. Uh, so stay tuned for that in the coming weeks as we lead into kickoff. And for now, go Tigers. A-C-C.